and welcome to Never Outworked, episode one. My name is Thano. I will be your host throughout this podcast. Uh, other uh, episodes, we're going to have other hosts come in and chat and discuss things, but uh, for the time being, you got me. So let's talk a little bit about this podcast. We are going to have episodes that we're going to dive in with Alex Montagano, who is the owner of Lockstep Realty. Uh, that is powered by EXP Realty, global brokerage all around the world. Um, and we are going to have discussions with agents, with all different groups of people discussing topics around neutral thinking. Know your numbers in your business. How are you working with your vendors? What does your personal brand look like? Um, we're going to talk about setting boundaries in your business. <laughs> That's a tough one for a lot of people, especially entrepreneurs, uh, especially startups. I mean, you name it, it's tough. If you don't set boundaries, where are you going to end up? Uh, we're going to talk about business planning. We're going to talk about uh, specific topics when it comes to working with buyers and uh, sellers. Um, so we're going to talk about the market. You name it, we are going to dig into it. Um, and then we'll have some uh, some additional episodes where we're just going to talk with some of our vendors. We're going to talk with some agents. Um, so stick around, hit that subscribe button, and share this with anybody you think would enjoy listening to our discussions. So for the first episode, we are going to listen in on a discussion that Alex had with uh, a group of agents here in the central Indianapolis area. Um, around neutral thinking. So I know a lot of us have probably heard about positive thinking, the power of positive thinking. There's books written about it all over the place. Um, we discussed what it means to be a neutral thinker. Uh, I'm not going to give away anything too uh, in-depth on it. I want you to take a listen and see what you think. We'll be back at the end to uh, wrap it up. A topic right. that's completely outside the box that what a lot of us are used to, we oftentimes think about when you're, you know, working every day and you have all these thoughts that about your business and your life, people are frequently talking about, oh, you got to think positive and you got to avoid negative thoughts. And recently I've spent a lot of time learning about um, mastering your mind through what's called neutral thinking and Neutral is exactly what it is, right? Like when you drive a car, you've got the drive and you've got the park and then you've got the neutral mode, right? And that's, so what, what you would think about when you're operating in a neutral state is how can you make decisions and how can you think about what's happening or what experiences in your life apart from the emotions that exist that you would normally feel with them? So, you know, I, I want you guys to think about it like, you come home from work and your spouse needs help making dinner. Your kid needs help with something. Your client has a call about an inspection report. An agent calls and sends you a horrible offer. And all this chaos, this tidal wave of what we would consider to be a mess hits us all at once, right? And I refer to stuff like that as the roller coaster of real estate. And it's really easy to get on that ride and love it. Um, but it's impossible to ride that roller coaster and give everything the attention that it deserves. So when the client calls you and said, 
Alex, this offer is ridiculous. I'm not doing this. I told you I'm not going to take this. And I told you this house was worth more than that. And you say, yeah, I know. I can't believe this guy. This guy, I worked with him before. And gosh, he doesn't know what he's doing. All you're doing is putting gas on a fire that's already lit. So as we're going to talk through today, we'll talk a little bit how to manage that conversation when the negativity comes towards you or the positivity comes towards you and how to help not only manage your clients better, but manage your own emotions better, right? So one of the things to think about is like that people often talk about is positive thinking. And it's great to have positive thinking. But one of the things that's dangerous with positive thinking is that it can place you in a separated position from reality, okay? So if you go to a seller or you go to a client or you go to your spouse and you say, oh man, I believe this is gonna happen and it's gonna be a great day and it's gonna happen and I really want it to happen. But the chances of something like that ever happening are very slim or unrealistic. You're putting people in a position of unrealistic expectations of what that end result is gonna be. And then when that result doesn't happen, the conversation isn't, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. It's, Alex, man, I thought you, you were really positive about this happening. This is really disappointing. What we want you guys to start thinking about is operating neutrally from a standpoint of factual data, okay? So when a seller comes to you or a client comes to you or you're operating your life from the idea of like, man, I'm going to lose 20 pounds in 30 days. <laughs> Positive thinking would tell you, if you give it your best, that's all you can do and you're gonna get there. And if you drink this magic tea and you take these supplements, it all works out just fine, right? But then at the end of the month, when it doesn't work and your results don't stick because the process that you took wasn't correct, you're gonna be in a position of disappointment and you're what you're going to end up doing is you're going to have a negative impact on the results that you already work towards. Okay. So let's talk a little bit. Thano, I want you to jump in. Um, there's a book that I read that was educational on this. It's a book called getting to neutral. Again, the book's called getting to neutral. It's by an author. His name's Trevor Moad and Trevor, Trevor is, he was a like mental coach, primarily focused in the sports world. And he worked with uh, Alabama football, Georgia football. Most recently, he worked with Florida State when they won their championship with Jameis Winston and Jimbo Fisher. And then he has a strong relationship. One of his best relationships and biggest advocates is Russell Wilson. And I think a lot of people, when you track sports and you follow sports and you see people like Nick Saban, who wins all the time and operates his life and his coaching of the position, the standard is the standard and do your job and do what you're supposed to do. There isn't much emotion behind that. And we perceive people like that when you see Russell Wilson throw an interception on second goal to win the Super Bowl, jog off the field with a straight face, emotionless to the idea of, losing the Super Bowl, one of the biggest accolades in football, and then get back the next day and say, all right, we have to get back to work. We look at those people and we say they're unemotional, they're machines, 
they're apathetic to their surroundings and they have a little bit of a negative perception, right? Like, gosh, does anything get to them? So Thano, I want you to talk about what your business was like 30 days ago, 45 <laughs> days ago, some of the roller coaster that you rode, and then jump in a little bit more and talk about since reading the book and then some of the recent successes you've had and why you think it's tied to the book and how, in, in the thought process and the mindset of neutral thinking. Yeah. So, um, you know, that book, I got it on audiobook through audible, um, shameless plug. I don't read well, <laughs> it makes me tired. So I listen to books. Um, and I will say I I'm an emotional person. I wear my emotions on my sleeve. Um, and it's one of those things that, uh, um, I'm able to, um, <laughs> sorry about that. Um, and in business, I would, just like Alex said, I'd be the high highs, I'd be the low lows. Uh, it not only affected business and my negotiation skills, but it would, it would spill over into my home life. Um, you know, the high highs were great because I'd come home excited, happy that, but then the low lows would just, yeah. I mean, y'all can, I, I could paint the picture all day, but I'm sure y'all get it. Um, and then listening to that book, I'm actually on my second listen in the past like 30 days. Um, just because I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever done that, but I listen to multiple books over and over just because every time you listen to something or read something, you're gonna get something different out of it. Um, and 30 days ago, I, I got this deal. Um, I, I go to Alex, I'm like, this thing, there's no way. Like I wanted to give the lead away before even like finishing negotiations. Um I'm like, this is just, this is going to rock my world. I'm going to be mad. I'm going to be, I'm not going to be a good person. Um, but reading through that book during that transaction, just, it took it to the point where I almost started coaching the other agent because my emotions were out of it. And I got it to where, you know, we ended up getting the deal. Um, it closes and it closes next Friday, um, 50,000 under what it was listed for. Now, that's a house in Carmel on an acre lot that you never would expect to be 50,000 under the list price, but through education, having that calm, neutral mindset, I was able to go to Alex, talk with Daniel, um, work with the inspector who is somebody we've got a great relationship with and just take the emotion out of the transaction and simply focus on the facts simply focus on working with my client. And, you know, even again, the agent on the other side of the deal is a very new agent. We've all been there. I was there two years ago. Um, and coaching is a great thing. And it's something that I was getting initially just mad about at the other agent. I'm like, no, as I listen to that book every day, I'm like, okay, well, that's pointless. Why don't I just have a conversation and kind of coach them along and say, hey, here's the information, here's the facts, can you share this with your seller? And through that, she was able to share that, hey, the seller's husband passed away, this is their family home, they know it needs work, they just, they don't wanna get you know, a bad deal. So again, it brought out the, the conversation and the realness of the deal um, to keep everybody involved. And again, that's just one example. Um, and I, tell, I told our team um, yesterday, I mean, it's, it's changed my, the way I deal with things at home as well, having two little kids, one of which is potty training, um, 
you know, it takes the anger, the, you know, just, okay, this is what's happening. This is how I deal with it. So without going on for hours and hours and hours, all I can say is that book has changed not only my business and how I handle clients and how I'm going to grow my business, but it's also changed my personal life as well. So um, I'm, I, I need to get his other book because uh, he does have two books. So um, yeah, I'll leave it at that. Awesome, man. Thanks a bunch. It's super cool to hear that. Um, it's very relatable because, you know, when I, when I met my wife in 2017, so run back five years, like probably over leveraged for time, strained professionally, strained personally coming out of relationships that I was probably in for too long. Um, because I operated emotionally in so many different things who I am today as a spouse and a person at home versus who I am as a, who I was is so drastically different. And, you know, it's like, well, how do you do that? And what do you compartmentalize to do that? And so I think it's important that we all identify our most important values as people, right? So, you know, what are things that you're passionate about? And this isn't a conversation to say, look, you should be a, a zombie and you should be numb to emotion. It, it's not that at all. What it is, is guys is like, we have to take the facts that are presented in front of us in our life. Okay. So you're driving down the road and a guy cuts you off. How fast are we to punch that steer, steering wheel and whip the bird out the window? And man, what's this mother doing? Get out of here. I got somewhere to go. And the reality is that guy could be having the worst day of his life. He could have got terrible news about himself. He could have got terrible news about his kid. He could be in a hurry to get somewhere to a real estate transaction. That's a heck of a lot more important than what you're doing. And we're so quick to that reaction. And so when you look at like your value systems is who you are as a person and what are things that are important in your life, they help you take the emotional side of all of this and they just put them in the buckets that they exist in. Right. So it's like, man, I'm, I'm a, I want to be a happy guy. I want to be somebody that brings joy to people's life. I want to provide for people. I want to do these things. And so when I get in the car and somebody cuts me off, it's just, okay, guy, have a nice day. And you just keep going about your day and you're unimpacted by anything. But if you slam on the brakes and you honk your horn and you're yelling at your deal, and then your client calls you and you answer the phone, there's no way that you're in a position to help that client how they deserve and what our job is to help them. It's impossible. And so there's data out there that if you hang around negative people, you become a negative person. They say that you're a makeup of the five people that you spend time with the most. Um, you know, I mentioned this on the last call, but if you're somebody that sits in front of the news all day long and you consume trash all day long, you're going to push that out into everybody else. So when you try to determine what are the things that I need to do to be a better person for those that are around me and operate with neutrality? How do I get to the idea what the facts are? It goes back to the consumption of what you put into yourself all day long. This isn't about pie in the sky. And, you know, there's books out there that you read and you can manifest things. And there's some truth to a lot of that. And it's, it's great to pursue things that you love. But what, it, what is the most important thing to do is to identify the facts that exist in front of you and then take those facts and operate with incredible passion. So 
Um, Thano, is Daniel in here? You're muted. Um, I do not see him in here right okay. now. Okay, that's fine. Um, cool. Does anybody have questions or does anybody want to chime in a little bit here and talk a little bit about this? Yeah, I'll, I'll say something real quick. I'm in the middle of a transaction right now and I have the buyer, a divorced mom of two kids, um, lots going on in her life. Um, I'm friends with both her and her ex-husband. So we're in a deal. Uh, we're doing the inspection response. We have 12 days. Her kids are sick. She's sick. I can't get the response done until the 12th day. The other agent is upset because we come in the 12th day. The seller's upset. And <clears throat> I just step in and even it out. No emotion. Transactional. We're within the contract. And explained to her, you know, on this other side that they don't know what's going on. You know, emotions, sick kids, she's going through a divorce, you know, all the things they don't know about. You know, you like you said, you never know what's going on with someone's life. So be the, <laughs> the medium, just even it out. No emotions, transactional. Uh, keep everybody in the game you know, and assure them, like I did, she wants to buy the house. She wanted to inspect it a week ago. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you got vomiting kids and no spouse to help you and she's down and she's, you know what I mean? There's so many things going on and you, you just got to hold everybody together, pat everybody on the back. It's going to be okay. We're good. We would love to have responded sooner. We're within contract, though. We're good. You know what I mean? We're good. We'll get this hammered out. Assure the agent so they can assure the seller. You know, the seller got the, the agent emotional. So I literally had to step in on both, not just my buyer, but the agent and their seller, you know, to kind of even things out. And we're clear to close now. We're closing on Monday. Everything's good. But those things happen. And like you said, you never know what's going. She had no idea what's going on with my buyer. She had no idea. I mean, my, my buyer was like on the edge of an emotional distress. I mean, well, the, she was just worn out, tired, sick. It's into, Jason, yeah. like the, the initial thought process so frequently in our transactions is like, what is the posture of the other side to do something like this? Mm -hmm. Oh, they've got 12 days. They've known they had 12 days. They're doing this on purpose because yeah. they want to hijack the transaction and then yeah. take the opportunity and stick me up against the wall and make me make a decision in a short time frame. Mm -hmm. And I think so often we lose sight of what the main thing is in all of this. And, and something I truly believe, like if you can keep the main thing, the main thing, right? Mm -hmm. So what is the main thing? The main thing is Jason has a buyer that wants to buy the house. The seller has a house that the buyer wants to buy. Mm -hmm. So if cash, you could take cash everybody. Buyer. Cash buyer too. <laughs> I mean, even better. Yeah. So when you look at all this and you put everybody in a room and, and I've forever made the, made the analogy when representing buyers and sellers in the same transaction, um, I talk about everybody getting in the boat and rowing in the same direction. Mm -hmm. And 
people are like, well, how do I know? And can you represent? And can you do this? If it's factual and it's real and everybody's pulling the rope in the same direction, it's much easier to get your destination. It's a cleaner trip. It's a healthier ride and everybody's happier at the closing table. Hey everybody, this is just a quick break in our content to remind you to hit that subscribe button and share it with your network. We can be found anywhere podcasts are streaming. So just search for Never Outworked. Now let's get back to the content. And, and even when you get bad news as an agent, you know, we've all had this happen. I have a listing, buyer's agent calls up and said they're going to back out, you know, whatever reason. You handle those the same. Even when it's bad news on your side or it's coming at you, you're going to run into that agent again. You're going to deal with that agent again. And you do the best you can with what you have. It's not the end of the world. You will move on. You will move forward. You reassure the seller. You let the buyer's agent know, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's a bummer. Let's figure this out. Let's move forward. Let's get it done. Let's expedite things so we can get things done on our end. You know, you're always the leader whatever group you're working within, be that leader, be that person that carries the group, regardless of circumstances. And when you're in a business long enough, you see all kinds of different, I've had all kinds of stuff happen through the years and you, you just deal with them. I don't want to say it's robotic, but it kind of is. You're, it's a transaction. You have a goal and you're trying to bring everybody to that goal. If it doesn't work out, then you, you do things on a good note because, again, you're going to run into that agent again. You're going to deal with them again. And when I do, I want that agent to, to man, that Jason, I, I had a bad deal with him. and My buyer backed out with, my God, here he is. Dude's a champ. You know, that's that's how you want to work with him. Plus, I sleep good at night. You know, when I when I treat people like this, when I, my emotions, my emotions are in check. I'm not frazzled. I'm not just all jacked up and oh I, I just can't believe they didn't close i can't believe it man i'm i got the shortest memory in history i'm like a major league pitcher once that pitch is done i'm, I'm on to the next i just and it took years to get that i didn't have a book or you know i wish i had that years ago <laughs> that would have helped that would have got me through some tough you know tough circumstances but anyway just my two cents yeah so a couple of notes i have jason that's it's pretty interesting like I was talking to a couple agents this morning and talking about the transactional experience and then how you treat the other agent in times of crisis. It's, it's exactly the conversation that we had. Um, and just a quick story. I had a listing I put on the market um, in the beginning of the, I don't know, end of August. We get multiple offers, 20,000 over list, great offer, fully guaranteed great inspection terms and inspection comes up and there's $25,000 worth of crawl space and attic issues that happened that I, nobody knows when they happened because I represented when they bought the house four years ago. And I mean, chaos, right? Like the buyer wants out, the, the seller is buying another house in which, you know, their appraisal comes in short. So they're coming out of pocket and it's like, Alex, what do we do? And Guys, like, let's just remove all the emotions because I know how terrible this is. And trust me, like to feel how I feel over 25 grand for you guys, like I'd be, if I could, I'd write the check for you. And 
but like, here's the options and here's what we have to do. Do you guys still want to move? Like, let's identify the ultimate goals here for you guys on the opposite side of the transaction. Well, Alex, can we retain the buyer? Will the buyer stay in? I'm trying like heck, they won't stay in. They want out. Okay, let's cut them loose. Do you guys still want to move? Yes. Okay, let's move forward with the purchase of your house by doing A, B, C, and D. And here's the methodology and the plan of attack that we have to do in the order of operations to sell your home. Man, Alex, do we really have to pay to have this fixed? Do we really have to remediate this? Do we really have to blow in insulation in the attic? Guys, listen, if we do those things, we can take that data to the next buyer to produce the best offer to make the next experience for the next buyer better. We don't have to do anything except disclose what we do not do in the instance we don't do it. Fortunately, that buyer turns around $25,000 worth of checks later that they pass out to remediation companies and a foundation company. We put the house back on the market, multiple offers round two. We sell the house for more money than we did the first time with better inspection terms than we sold with the first time. Is the buyer stressed as can be? Oh, you better believe it. Am I riding that roller coaster? No, because they don't need that. They don't need me to ramp the speed up. They don't need me to pour gas on the fire. What they need me to do is to bring the fire extinguisher over, put it out and say, guys, here's the next thing that's gonna happen. You're gonna see an appraisal scheduled and you're gonna see an inspection scheduled. Okay, and you just work through the facts with them all the time. And Jason, the one thing that you said that I think is not touched on enough is the idea that you sleep well at night with how you operate your business. And guys, I spent probably my first six years of my real estate career staring at the ceiling, wondering how am I going to handle the guy who's going to rip me a new one in the morning and the seller that's going to be upset about the offer, the inspection response that I'm afraid to present. Well, there's no fear anymore. It's just factual things. Here's what exists. What would you like to do? And so when I have that conversation and I provide that data, we then get off the phone and I work towards the goal that they want to accomplish. And so when you get the facts from your clients in the beginning about what their goals are and the things that they want to accomplish, you take those and you help them remember those throughout the course of the transaction when things do get emotional. Our job is to support and represent our clients with the best interest possible, help them accomplish what their goals are, not to protect them from, you know, a seller that sends you a poor inspection response. That's not a controllable factor that we can do. Just because a guy sent you an offer $25,000 under list price and your seller is going to be mad, present it. That's what your job is, whether you like it or not. Who else has questions and, and thoughts on this or, or ways that this could be helpful for them? I'd be curious to hear what anybody else has to say. I can say I something about, out. Oh, go ahead. I think about times where I'll get an inspection response back or a report back and how I get emotional about it. And then I try to remove my emotions like we've talked about and instead show this uh, buyer and see like what's most important to them and kind of let them lead that conversation like while still protecting them but 
sometimes there's things I get nervous about that they don't even think are that big of deals. 100%. 100%. And what's so interesting is like, when we get that response from a seller, or we get that response from a buyer, whatever that is, we're, we see it before our clients do. And so you're allowed to be frustrated and you're allowed to go, are you kidding me? But how fast can you get back on the saddle and ride the horse to the direction that you need to ride? And so one of the things that I've got down here is it's a concept called adversity tolerance. And there's a snippet on Instagram I saw recently where Russell Wilson talks about adversity tolerance. And what adversity tolerance is, is when stuff gets hard, how do you respond to it? How do you handle adversity? How do you tolerate the adversity that comes in front of you? And so if you surround yourself with people that all the time operate in a world of crisis or in a world of chaos, or when adversity comes, they're manic. They don't think they just talk and talk and talk and round circles that are, I mean, directionless. That's how you're going to operate that conversation with the person that you're going to call or the person that you need to talk to when adversity comes up. When the school calls you and said, your kid did A, B, C, and D, and you're defensive because Michael never does anything bad because his dad thinks he's perfect. Instead of asking, okay, mom, this is terrible. We need to go figure out what happened and then get the facts, talk to our kid, talk to the parent, talk to the teachers, talk to other parents and learn and educate accordingly. Operating from a position of facts, so much easier. It's so much easier than when, you know, somebody calls you and says, crisis happened. Can you be the steady hand that writes the ship? Or are you the person that takes additional water, dumps it in the boat because you can't think twice about what you're doing? Drew, go ahead and jump in. Yeah, so what I was going to say, the biggest distinction between um, professional athletes and amateur athletes, and I like to take my boys to sporting events and watch it myself, but the biggest distinction is how fast the professionals get themselves back into state. And what I mean by that is how are they going to react when they get their teeth kicked in? Like, are they going to throw a pity party for themselves or are they going to push through the challenge and, you know, and and work through it? It's like I see amateurs airball two free throws in the first quarter and they're derailed for the rest of the game where I see Shaquille O'Neal, the worst free throw shooter ever, come back and dominate. You know, and it's like, are we professionals or are we amateurs? If you guys lose out on a deal or yesterday I got a $50,000 appraisal uh, less than the purchase price. The accepted price was $625,000. $575,000 is what the appraisal came at. We Im- I immediately called the buyer's agent. We both thought that the value is there at $625,000, so we appealed it before we called our clients we started working on comps together um and then we got the denial uh on the appraisal rebuttal but we at least told our clients this is the plan this half this has happened before um i started asking factual questions like just so i know 
is your house in shambles because you thought you had this sold? Oh yeah, Drew, it's not show ready if we have to put this thing back on the market. So they're thinking about a lot of these, those type things. And, you know, we ended up not getting any value adjustment, but we decided just to split that $50,000 gap, which is a lot for the seller to, um, the, the seller to swallow. But I said, Hey, let's just look at, let's not focus on the 625. Let's focus on when you guys bought this house for $360,000. There's a fact. Would you have been really excited if I told you that four years later you would get 600 and they're like, exactly. So that kind of just shifted their mindset into, yeah, we would have loved to have the 625. Um, and, and I think you can apply this to anything, guys. It's just like if you lose out on a client, well, what could you have done differently to earn that client's business and start playing a prospecting game and go out? Like, it's my goal today to touch a thousand different people. I've got a bunch of different things going on. I'm using KV Core. Happy to talk to you about how I'm doing it. But um, I'm going to message, email, text a thousand people today because I did lose a client this week. So, so yeah, that's so all I have to say. One of the things I have written down here is prepare your life for all the possibilities that can come up. Right. So like, you know, Drew lost a client. How does it feel to lose a client? You lose a client once you remember forever. It burns like heck. I mean, it, it, it cuts deep. Right. But if you're prepared for the idea of I could go on this listing appointment, and if I don't get it, what are things that I'm going to try to do to get the next one? Right. And so Drew, in response to you, like going after and saying, I'm going to pursue to make a thousand contacts in a day. It's incredible. But also like, why did you lose a client? If you don't know, you can't improve on it. Right. So like, have, do we ever call that client back and say, Hey, Mr. Seller, I know you're going in a different direction, but I'm really passionate about my career. Could you take a couple minutes and just tell me why you went in another direction? So many times that we lose opportunities, it's because there's things that external factors that we can't control. So to be emotional about the listing that you didn't get for 700 grand when you're in your head going, man, I needed that money because I have to pay this and I've got a wedding and I got vacation and my kids this and we're having twins. And instead of going, oh, that somebody else told you that the house was worth $7.99 and they do it for 1%. <laughs> There's nothing I could do. Was there anything other feedback that you could share with me? Oh, you were excellent. Or we didn't care for this. Or, okay, great. That's super helpful. Thank you so much. And you go back to your drawing board and you take mental notes on the feedback that you received. So often we're defensive immediately to go, wow, they picked somebody else. I failed. Wow, they picked somebody else. What did I do wrong? Sometimes it has nothing to do with what you do as a realtor or you've done as a person. But when the external behavioral is out there, the factors have other impacts. Well, I wouldn't have listed it at 1%. If all you cared about was the commission, I might as well not even have gone, but at least I got the practice to do it. And now I can go in prepared for the next time. So maybe I shift some of my conversation to talk about why the value of the house is A versus B. And why somebody else may tell you B, but we focus on A because the market shifted 
over the last 60 days. And then you educate your clients differently. So it's just operating in the facts, guys. And so, you know, Drew, you talk a lot of bit about, you know, getting back on the saddle and, and finding new opportunity and being prepared to shift past the mistake and then get right back at it. Like you're a golfer, you play golf all the time. Like no matter how bad that shot is, you have to get up and hit the ball again the next time. And so the challenge as realtors that we face right now is this evolving market that everybody continues to talk about that's changing. And one of my team members put a article up yesterday that showed Indianapolis pricing is down one or 0.9% year over year. And what do we convey that message to our clients? Tell the stories of what you guys are experiencing in the market. Tell the story about somebody in your office that received multiple offers on a listing. I guarantee your seller will want to move forward and put their house in the market when they hear things like that. When you have a buyer that says, hey, I've lost out 100 times since January. Talk about how you got your buyer in an off-market opportunity. Talk about how your buyer went in and there was only two offers instead of five offers. If you focus on the negatives and you focus on the trash stories that scare people, which is what everybody wants to do, it's going to do that. But if you can provide real life facts and real life stories about these things, it's going to give people a glimmer of hope in our industry to continue to push our market forward. Make your success probable with the decisions that you make, guys. You can project your future. You can project your business and the success that you're going to have. Drew will get opportunity that will come in the next 30 to 60, 90 days because of the production that he puts out there, because of putting himself out there a thousand times in conversation today. And when he looks up 60 to 90 days from now and his business is thriving and his team's going, Drew, where did all this come from? September 14th, I contacted a thousand people. And so then what Drew can do from there is instead of having a thousand people contacted on one day, he can make it consistent effort every single month to contact his database like he already does. And it's just factual deals of what you're doing all the time. It's not, man, I lost a client. What an idiot. I can't believe that happened to me or that client's a jerk. It's I lost a client because I don't contact my database. I lost a client because they chose this instead. I need to go find better clients. I need to go find more supportive clients, more raving fans. Here's how to do it and work towards that. Any other thoughts, guys? I just One think thing that, I would encourage, oh. go ahead, sorry. Um, you know, Alex, you remember this transaction, but the, the very first client that I lost uh, was a client that I'd already sold and we just couldn't get together on getting his house sold. And he, you know, wasn't listening and we parted ways. And, you know, looking back through everything we've talked about today, I'm like, man, I wish I would have had, <laughs> Um, you know, this mindset back then, because I probably could have salvaged a little bit more and probably done a better job. Um, I mean, what happened happened. Um, but it's one of those things, like I look back and it's like, okay, uh, it, it really is like a tool that can, if you take the time to think about, like, even if you didn't get the feedback, like I walked through that situation, I've been doing that here in my head for probably about the past 20, 30 minutes, um, of, okay, if this comes up again, now I know how to handle myself emotionally and 
you know, better prepare. And, you know, I took, I sent myself an email with some notes on how to handle that kind of stuff a little bit better. So I think it's something that not only can help us in the future, but, you know, even if we didn't really have a chance to dig into some of our past issues like that, that I know for me, it's helped greatly just in the past 20, 30 minutes. So. Yeah. So you had said it's a tool and I would take it a step further. It's a lifestyle. Yeah. It's an identity. Like it, this be like, if you can embrace this concept and this idea and you can live this way, the stress is down, the strain is down and it's an ever evolving thing, right? Like I'm going to leave today and somebody's going to cut me off and I'm going to be upset. And inevitably, like sometimes they just get you at the right time or sometimes the weight's too heavy or there's too many things that happen. It's ever evolving and you have to continue to embrace this. And some of that goes to like, how do you do that? It's by surrounding with people that are just like you surrounding yourself with people that want the same thing. My wife is as steady as a rock as you could ever imagine. She's so flatlined. Sometimes it's like, Hey, can you get excited with me about this seller? That's a clown. Like, come on. And she's just like, Alex, just handle them like you always do. And that's what it all is about. So a couple things, embrace it keep working at it. It's something that takes a lot of time. I mean, Jason, like you said, it's taken your whole career to get you to where you are today. How you did it today is different than how you would have done it six months ago, 12 months ago, 10 years ago. And some of it has to do with coaching, read books, pursue education. Like those things are incredible. Guys, call me. I This is something I'm incredibly passionate about just because it's changed my life. It makes things much easier. You sleep better at night. You're you know, you're healthier in terms of how you feel every day. And then it allows you to be better for somebody else on the other side of the experiences, whether it's your client, another realtor, a family member, your kids, whatever it is. Anybody got anything else? Quiet group today. Cool. Let's wrap up. Um, that's all I have. So I appreciate it. 40 minutes out of your day, guys. It's a lot of time, but I'm grateful that you guys have all carved out the time to do it. If you guys have conversations that you want to have about it, reach out. If you have topics of conversations you'd like to hear about, feel free to share. Um, I think next week, we're going to talk a little bit about the importance of knowing your numbers, how to know your numbers, why you know your numbers, and what your numbers can help you accomplish as a business owner. So um, Pretty sure that's going to be the topic. So look forward to seeing everybody next week, 930 on Wednesday. Wow, that was some information. Fano here, your host, coming back to you to uh, just kind of recap what Alex was talking about in the whole group there. Um, neutral thinking. I used to be that, okay, positivity is going to get me through um, type of person. Um, but that led me to a lot of highs, a lot of lows. I mean, you probably even heard me talking in the discussion there. Um, it, it helped my personal life, not just my business. You know, I, business has changed. You know, when I'm working with clients, I'm not so emotionally high and low. Um, it does happen, but I get right back to neutral and I focus on the facts and I keep moving forward. I celebrate those wins. I learn from those losses and we keep pushing forward no matter if it's business or personal, you know, my wife, my kids, they've seen that change. I'm not, I'm not as high. I'm not as low. It's, it's more of that even keel, you know, again, in our personal lives, we celebrate the highs. 
we we learn from the lows and you know we move forward as a family so again great discussion i look forward to you know all the discussions that come uh, we're going to be doing about every other week, so look for a new episode about uh, every two weeks or so. We'll have some special episodes that we record, and we'll drop those when they happen. So for everybody here at Never Outworked, thank you for tuning in, and we look forward to seeing you next time.